Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Second Peter chapter 1 and verses 10. The Bible says, Wherefore the rather brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, the Bible says, ye shall never fall. Tell your neighbor, ye shall never fall. Yes. He said, make your calling and election sure. And he promised you and he said, if you do these things, you shall never fall. So it's possible to walk a Christian life and not fall. Hello? It's possible to begin and finish well in the life of salvation. Somebody shout hallelujah. And this is what he has promised us, that if you make your calling and election sure, you shall never fall. Again, somebody says, so again, Apostle, how do you reconcile those two things? Because the scripture says, let him that thinketh he standeth, let him that thinketh he stands, eh? take heed, lest he fall, right? You know, there's a place where he says, oh, you can wake up and say, me, I am standing, right? And then you fall. And then I'll give you the simplest answer, that people who think they stand and fall are people who think they stand on their own wisdom, ability, and understanding. Somebody shout Hallelujah. If you think that you're standing on your ability, you're working hard and you're excelling on your ability, and that's a problem when people get money or are blessed in different ways. That's why the Bible always warns, least you say that my wisdom has got me here. My ability has got me here. You know, some people, when they get successful, right, you get a good job and then later on you, you build a very nice career or your ministry thrives and then things start moving. Then somehow you forget the God who blessed you and then you say, oh, my power and might has gotten me this wealth. Why? Because now you have wealth. When you are poor, you are believing in God. When you got money, ah, now my might, my wisdom, my strength, my abilities, what did this? Always remember, it doesn't matter the things that come in your life. Always remember it is the working of the Lord. Somebody shout hallelujah. Never forget that. Never forget that it is God working in you. Never forget that it's God's ability. Never forget that it's God's wisdom. Never forget that it's God's plan. Never forget that it's God's love. Never forget that it's God's grace. Never forget that it's God's leading. Never forget that it is God who began this good work in you and he surely will see to accomplishment to the day of Christ. Somebody shout hallelujah. It is the working of the Lord. Are we clear? Doesn't matter how far you go in God. Always remind yourself it's not my ability. It's not my ability. It's not my ability. It's the ability of God. It is the grace of God. If what you have can be explained to your ability, then God has not yet intervened on your behalf. Praise God. If what you have can be explained by your ability and strength, then God has not yet begun on you. The day you look back and see that this is God and not myself, then God has begun. Somebody shout hallelujah. So, we go back to what I was trying to share here in the scriptures. He said, if you make your calling and election sure, if you take diligence to make your calling and election sure, 
He has guaranteed you, you will never fall. You will never fall. You will never fall. You will never fall. Somebody shout hallelujah. You will never fall. When you were born in this world, your parents, many of us were lucky or blessed that we had parents who saw things in us and they directed us in the way we should go. But as we were growing up, if you remember, the basic instruction that we always received from our parents is, my son, my daughter, study hard such that your future will be bright. Isn't it? Many of us, they told us, study for a brighter future. And they kept on telling us that if we do not study, we are going to become broke people. Who remembers that? They used to warn us, eh? if you want to walk out of poverty, the first thing, the most important thing you must learn to do is study hard, excel, then get a job and get a career, and then be a successful person. Yeah, the pen doesn't lie, praise God. That's an African thing. If you go to America, they don't talk, it's not there. They don't say because difference of culture again. You're following what I'm saying? But every time we're growing up, they used to tell us the pen does not lie. My daughter, the pen does not lie. My son study hard. Even up to now, we still insist. Banange, those of you who are students, excel, please. Both for your testimony as an individual, but also for the glorification of the name of Jesus and the expansion of the kingdom. It looks fake when a Christian has failed. Somebody shout hallelujah. But then now again, another problem has ensued which we never saw coming, yeah? Now, a border border man can make 40,000 a day. If you do that 40 by 30, that's more than 1.2 million shillings he makes every month. And how much do our entry graduates earn? 500. So a border border guy who never went to school is richer than our? Ekalamu tekolachi. <laughs> a chapati maker is richer than a graduate because he might make 30, 40,000 shillings a day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? A person who didn't go to school and is digging in the village makes more money than many Christians who are educated and are working white collar. Are they called white collar jobs? Yes. They're making more money than us. And I'm still trying to understand why up to today universities still teach some things. You understand? So if I mention some of those courses and you're here, no offense, you're a new creation in Christ. Behold, the old is past and now the new and all things are of God, not makere oye. But how much did your parents invest since you were little from nursery school? These days I even see gowns of nursery. I don't know what's wrong with people. You see, I can answer a kid also holding a picture. Mush has graduated from kindergarten to P1. And you're like, wait. Some of us never even realized we had gone to P1. You just remember a certain interview. What's your name? What's the, my mother's name? Spare your, and then the, the next thing you know, you're putting on another uniform. Isn't it? Some of us, you see your sibling go to school. You also get your bag, you follow her. The Holy Spirit shall lead. You understand? And now, they even make graduation parties. That's why some millennials, most sort of ex-generation, <laughs> they are very spoiled, you understand? 
They are very entitled, but they have reasons to be entitled. How do you get a kid that age and tell them you have graduated? Sipo, you have graduated. He wears something. Do you understand? In what? Do you know the price of putting on a gown? You understand? They transition. How much money have your parents invested? To go to school. To learn English. To do all of those things that are expected. How much money did your parents invest? They're trying to get you a bright future. So you'll, you'll survive in the world to come as an adult. Then you went through, remember, university, courseworks, course units, daddy. They need this. They need that. Eh? <laughs> My father always jokes sometimes. He calls me and he tells me, uh -huh, now it's time for you to pay fees. <laughs> but he bullies me sometimes. He says, I paid fees. Now also you pay fees, you know. But I know what he's talking about because, you know, they've invested too much. Too much. If you were to get every amount of money, every ounce of cent that was used on you to get to university, it's a lot of money. Then you graduate and you earn gross salary, 500,000 minus pay, minus what? Net pay, 350. How much transport do you need to come from Lubawa for Fanero? How much transport do you need to attend service? How much transport do you need to go to your workplace every day? How much do you save per month? You understand what I'm saying? It's like a trap. And then someone graduates now. No offense again. Don't get annoyed with me. For all your years, three years, and you come out and you say, I have a degree in tourism. Tour. <laughs> tourism. All those guys who are making us tour. Do you understand what I'm saying? No offense. You might say, no, but there's hotel with you. Yes, I understand what you're saying. But... How many jobs has... You understand what I'm trying to tell you? And the job you're doing probably is using two or three of the course units. Some of which you even retook. You failed research methods. You redid it. You passed it. Now you're, you're in an NGO doing counseling. <laughs> ah, praise God. But all things work together for good. Tell your neighbor, all things work together for good to them that love the Lord and they are called according to, their, to his purpose. Praise God. So if you're there and you did a course that you don't understand, you're not alone. If you did engineering, you're an engineer. If you did a business administration, you're a business analyst or something like that. Now, what of you who did developmental studies? What, what do they call you? You're a developmental... Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? Are you a developer? What, what, what do you call it? Because it's easy to say, this one is a health consultant. The, this one is a doctor. They did eh? This is a lawyer. They did the law. Now, you who did development studies, what are you? You look at the guy who is developing you. He's also not developed. <laughs> and he has graduated and he's broke and he says, I'm a development student. <laughs> Praise God. But all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and they are called what? According to his purpose. No offense. What I'm trying to say is wherever the Lord has ordained you, whatever you have done, there's a bigger purpose. Development student, there's a bigger. 
purpose. Praise God. There's a bigger purpose. And that's what we want to go into tonight. When the Bible says, do all diligence to make thy calling and election sure. The calling, the, the Greek word calling means invitation. Are you following me? The call is to invite you to participate in a great responsibility. That's what they call the calling, right? And the election is the picking out of the called. You say, look, many are called, but few are what? Chosen. The word therefore chosen is the same word election. Like I'm elected as chosen by God to lead a movement in this nation. The apostolic mantle is very clear on my life and the responsibility thereof. And of which I don't handle with pride. I don't boast over, but I handle with the highest sense of responsibility, humility, and accountability to do what God, because I know that it's bigger than me. It's not about me. It's according to him that found that election suitable to use this fellow. Many are called, but the chosen are few, right? And if you find the chosen in the called and they stay called when they are chosen, or if you find the called who don't even know that they are called, there's a problem. There's a challenge. There's something that happens. The Bible says in Romans that all things work together for good for them that love the Lord and are called according to his purposes. There are many things in life that can go the right way and there are many things in life that can go the wrong way. There are things that go the wrong way for the right reasons and there are things that go the wrong way for the wrong reasons. And one of the things that goes the wrong way for the wrong reasons is if a man has not yet understood the calling or election on their life. He said all things work together for good. Some people... Things are falling apart because they are not in the place God has ordained them. If your parents invested all of that much money for you to become a development student, how much do you think God, think for a moment, how much do you think God has invested in you for the sake of the kingdom? Which is bigger? The one degree out of the 360? Or the kingdom responsibility that you have upon your life? Somebody help me here. The calling of God is irreconcilably irreplaceable. It's, it's the highest sense of human consciousness when it comes to satisfaction. No man can truly be fully satisfied when you have not served the call with which God called you and ordained you to serve. So if your parents invested that much money and time and teachers were always on your face, beating you, scolding you, abusing you, rebuking you, correcting you, instructing you for this one degree that you've earned, how much more has God been dealing with you concerning the call on your life? The Bible says before he formed me in my mother's womb, he knew me and he called me. The work God began in your life for the call is older than your existence. Your parents began when you were born in this cosmos. God began way before you were born, before you were formed in your mother's belly. The Bible is very clear. He had called you. He had worked out certain things. He, the work to perfect this thing that you're going to be 
has been there way before even your mother and father met. What a God. What a God. And then you live all your life and graduate and they ask you, what are you? You say, I'm a Swasa student. I'm a, I'm a doctor. I'm a lawyer. And you even practice the profession with which you have graduated and worked for for the past 20 or 15 years of your education or 18 years of education. And there is this calling on your life that began way before you were formed in your mother's womb. You have no clue or idea about it and then you live the rest of your life like that until the day you die. And then you get before God and you realize that that thing was more important than your education. And you realize Christians think about Many things, but not these things. Like the Bible says, we live out the weightier issues of life. The weightier issues of life. The thing I'm discussing this morning is weightier than your education. It's weightier than anything you could ever do in this world. It's so sad that people don't take time to actually go through. The word there, do all diligence. In other words, take time to study your life. To understand the calling and election. If you read scripture, there are many, many, many things that are clear about the calling of God. And when you go to Corinthians, Paul speaks about three things that the calling of God is not about. He says, brethren, for all of you regard your calling. Not many of you are noble. Not many of you are mighty. And not many of you are wise. He spoke of the three things that are not the qualifier of the calling. You're not qualified because you're a great graduated student of a university with an R. No. You're not a special one because you went to Harvard or you went to Princeton or, or like in very good universities. No. That does not mean that he says, brethren, not many of you are wise. Otherwise, the best students in class would be the best. Right? Pastors or men of God or women of God. Otherwise, the best scientists in the world, they'll be the prophets of our day. But he says, it's not human wisdom. And he says, it's not about might. It's not how strong you are. Not only just physical strength, but there are many things that come and define for might. He says, it's not about that might either. And he says, it's not even about the family you are born. It's not whether you came from a noble family or you came from a poor family, or you came from an indifferent family, or a dysfunctional family. God does not look at those things when he's calling a man. Bandange, praise you, God. Because some of us, if we all, in all of those fronts, we look back and say, ha, ah, there was somebody better, but he called you. He called you out. Somebody shout hallelujah. It's not by mistake that where you are, it's not by mistake that you had an opportunity to have an education. There are many people who cannot even spell their name. Thank God that he did that. You might have never even worked with a degree that God gave you, but there was a bigger purpose to it, and I want to reveal that to you this evening. When the Bible tells you to take due diligence, it means take time to study the surety of the calling and election upon your life, to understand it, to understand it. Because there are many, many people who do not even have a clue of what they were called. Or who treat this slightly as a simple as, you know, apostle, tell me what the Lord tells you about my calling. So if I tell you a teacher, then somebody says, ah, okay, God has called me to be a teacher, so let me teach. No, that's not how it works. 
Calling is a calling to self. God calls you to himself. And the calling is to the end of your sanctification into obedience, like Peter says. The, the, the purification of your conscience. The preparation for the commission. He has called you to himself. So it's not what he's called you to be a prophet. To be a prophet, firstly to himself. Not as though you're a prophet to him, no, but on, for him. He cannot commission you when he has not given you the tools. Who is understanding what I'm saying? When he has not prepared you. That's why I said it's the commissioning. It's the preparation, the purification of your conscience to hear God in purity of truth. Because there's, there's a place where people hear God, but they hear the wrong part of God, the wrong thing of God. And a man says, I know I'm hearing God, but they're not hearing God. They walk out of the purpose and will of God concerning their lives in the name of God told me. Do you know how many marriages have been destroyed in the name of God told me? Do you know how many businesses are, are down the drain because of God told me? Do you know how many relationships are broken because of God told me? Do you know how many people no longer talk to the other person because the other person didn't do what God told them? Do you know how many times we've made God speak? God told me. God told me. I'm doing this because God told me. And then later, you realize there's a problem. You know, being in the apostolic office is a special grace because with the apostolic, we are foundational. I can look at a man and know that he's playing. Now, we have very loose, funny, crafty fellows in town. A guy finds his, you're a prophet. And the person believes it. You get it? And then they wake up one day and they are convinced they're a prophet. One year, me, they told me, two people have told me, three people have told me I'm a prophet. Four years, three years, you've never even prophesied. Eh? You've never prophesied what? Food, like food that I prophesy that tomorrow morning I'll eat posh and beans. You've not even gotten there. Six years, you're still waiting on the Lord. And some of them, by the time they get to a place of death, that's when they realize they were not prophets. There are people who were ordained officers that they were not called in. Evangelist, evangelist, and it sticks. You look at the individual and there is no ounce of evangelism in them. How many people are serving the office of the pastor, but they were not called to be pastors? No. The ministers improvised because the need was there. Ordain this person or else they leave the church. And people are walking in things God didn't call them to. How many people are on the pulpit and they're supposed to be off? This thing is more serious than many assume. How many people assume that you only have to be on the pulpit to serve God? There's also that class of people. They think that the biggest person serving God is Apostle Grace. Mama, there could be a security guy serving more than I am. Because God looks at the heart and faithfulness toward that. And that's why me, I examine myself whether I've been the faith. Because the reward is big. Heaven will shock people. People will think, hey, because he stood before multitudes, therefore he has a full reward. No. Why? Because God rewards faithfulness above title. When a man of God understands that, he can't get 20 bodyguards. He can't. Because they don't qualify you as a man of God. That, my friend, is called insecurity. That's why you need security. 
you're insecure. It's like when you go for interviews, European interviews, American what? It's so funny. You cannot find a clergy without his suit on an American interview. That's the day they remember they need to put on the collar because it's the only thing that can qualify them. So when a man looks at him and he sees a dog collar, he says, yeah, you must be a man of God. Come for your visa next week. You understand? Some people put on garb for responsibility. Some put on the, put on the same garb to hide their insecurity. They, they don't wear enough. So because they don't wear enough, they need to put on something. Eh? No, I don't need you to guard me. No, I don't need to put on something. No, I know he's in there. I know him. I'm secure in who is my security. And that is God. That is God. That is God. But do you know how many people have changed how they even look to hide their insecurity? Do you understand what I'm saying? You're a wealthy person and you're unapproachable because you have money. You're insecure. There's something missing. If money changes you, there's something missing. There's something missing. I don't need to have, you know, to create a certain thing for people to believe I have God. You, you can find me on Kampala Road and even bypass me, but just give me a bike. You will know that I'm called of God. That's where our, that's where our security should be. In what God has called us to be. Somebody shout hallelujah. So being apostolic, we always see, you look at a young person who has been deceived in something they're not. In something they're not. I told people, for us, I see a prophet before they even say it. You understand? Because it's the core responsibility of the apostolic. We know the officers. We can tell the officers. I can smell an office. It's easy for me to identify a called individual. I don't even need to say it. I can walk to that individual and the power of God qualifies what I'm saying before I even say it. You understand? But it is so sad that the most integral part of your life you actually do not know. So like I said in Corinthians, that there are many things that pass for the things that the calling of God is not. But not many are clearly there in scripture for what the calling is and are for the calling that define a person who has been called and give a man a certain light of direction. They are in scripture, but they're not as pronounced as what you read here in Corinthians. And so tonight I want to give you one of those things that qualify, that show, that define so much about the call of God upon your life. For you to actually know and understand why things are the way they are. It says that you go with the wave of the spirit and not lose your purpose and mind in this affair. Right? The Bible says, and I want to give two examples, two great people, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Let's begin with Moses. In Hebrews chapter 11, the Bible says, by faith when Moses was born, his parents, the Bible says, hid him three months because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. They saw something in Moses and hid them. If you are a parent and you don't know the mantle on your child, you will not hide them when you need to. That's something so deep. Can I go a bit deeper into it? When the Bible says raise up a child in the way they should go, right? It goes deeper than just 
do this, do that, do that, do that. No. There is a designing spirit that God places on you as a responsible parent to know when your child is in danger and to hide them from danger. That's the prudence of the spirit. The Bible says the, the prudent man foreseeth evil. And what does he do? He hideth. And then the Bible says the weak and simple, they pass on and they're punished. As a man of God, as a believer, there's a place where you must foresee and deal with something or else you will die early. You'll be destroyed and carry much loss in life if you cannot foresee evil. Now evil befell Egypt. On the Hebrew boys, on the Jewish boys. And what happened? The parents of Moses foresaw what was in this boy. If they had not seen it, they would have submitted that boy to death. You understand? Your child can be destroyed because you don't see what's in their lives. That's the thing David went through. Jesse has a boy in the house, but he does not know the calling of the boy. He's sending the three, four people to go and fight for the king. Yet the biggest warrior in the world is looking after animals. He cannot design it. Even the day of David's victory. David did not wake up going to defeat Goliath. Uh -uh. The boy had taken food. Jesse used to look at this boy and used to see a shepherd. But this boy was not a shepherd. This boy was not a shepherd. But Jesse never saw it. And guess what? God took him away from him. The day he defeated Goliath, immediately, the Bible says he went under the covering of Saul. It was never registered anywhere in church history that from the day he defeated Goliath, he went back into Jesse's household. That was the last time his father took responsibility over him. Why? Because you don't see the mantles on your children. When your child is born, that's the first thing you ask God. Who is this? Who is this? Are they a teacher? Are they a pastor? Are they, a, oh yes, okay, physical, world, what are they going to be? Are they going to be an engineer? What are they going to be? You know it. You might tell them, you might not tell them, but you ought to know. As a person of the spirit, you learn as you grow to design the things said and the things kept secret. Because when you learn to walk in the spirit, there are things you learn to keep secret and things you don't. You remember the day Samuel encounters Saul? Huh? The day Samuel encounters Saul? And then they tell him how he's going to be king. The scriptures tell us that when Samuel went back to his father's house, the Bible says he hid the secret of the kingdom. He did not tell his father. It's not that he didn't want to. It's not the first time that we see those things transition in history. Right? There was a time Samson kills a lion. The scriptures tell us when he went back to his parents, he did not tell them. It's not that he didn't want to tell them, but as you grow in God, you get the wisdom to know the things you ought to share of the spirit and the things you ought not to share. Sometimes I feel funny, I mean, uh, sorry, for gullible people who think that you must speak every spiritual experience that you have in God. and, And sometimes some of them position themselves out of purpose and open doors of war that they ought not to have. Or even a certain direction of indifference that comes on your life. You must have the wisdom to know what to say, when to say, and when not to say it. Right? What to say, when to say, and when not to say it. It's wisdom sometimes to share some things and it's wisdom not to share certain things. We have Christians who speak everything they see in the spirit. Praise God. Anyway. So the parent must see. You must know. Otherwise, if you're saying, let's go in the way you should go, how can you lead a child in the way they should go when you don't know where they are going? Does that even make sense? 
And that's why I tell people, for me, men, we have our part. We impart the vision, the experience, and power to lead. But women, you are responsible for the stupidity of the children we see. And I'm saying so because the Bible says so. Praise God. Aha, uh-huh, something like that. A wise son maketh glad the father, but a foolish man despises his mother. There's something about parents, most so women and the children. It is very hard to find a wise woman with a dense child. Impossible. Somehow, there is a way she sheds this wisdom. I'm not just talking about classroom one plus two. No, I'm talking about the wisdom of life. That thing begins with a woman. Why, for example, Rachel is the beloved of Jacob, right? But Leah begets the sacred substance. You realize she's the one that mothers Levi. Levi, the priest that brings the lineage of Moses. She's the one that mothers Judah, the guy that carries the scepter and later through which our father David comes from and David transitions again into Jesus Christ. You realize why she's the mother of Reuben, Zebulun. Why is it that the woman who was despised and ugly, who was not the choice of the man of God, somehow she happens to have the cleverest children and, 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 and through that lineage of Simeon, the sons of Ishakar, the Bible tells you that they serve and fight for David's army. Later on, they are the ones who know the, the, the meaning of the times. You remember that in the days of Jacob, the Bible says, and the sons of Ishakar, who knew the what? The understanding. Who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do? When a time came when Israel didn't know what to do, you needed to go to the lineage of Ishakar to get an answer. When you read of the tribe of Zebulun, you realize that those had the most fertile plains in the history of Israel. Why is it that the woman who was hated and not loved produced the smartest kids, the most influential, the brightest stars? Moses, the lawgiver, comes from Leah. The despised one. Oh, some people say, oh, you know when you're despised, God can raise. That's partly true. But also, if you study the life of Leah, you'll know the meaning. You'll understand that there was something on this woman that has effect on the generations to come. Rachel just thought because she's the beloved, that was enough. Ha! But it's not so. Tell anybody it's not so. So the parents of Moses hid him. Because they saw that he was a goodly child. He was a goodly child. So what do they do? They hide their child. Right? And the next verse tells us, by faith, when he was come of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What happens? He's put on a what? In a basket, right? It's floating on the water in the time when they need to kill, when they want to kill the Hebrew boys, right? And what happens? It lands in their hand on the exact appointed time when Pharaoh's daughter had gone to the lake to do whatever she was going to do, right? And then the next thing we know, she's scarring. She could have given that to the servant, no. But later she adopts that baby and takes the kid in the kingdom. Next thing we know, this guy is royalty. He's raised as an Egyptian. He understands as an Egyptian. The Bible says that he was raised in the wisdom of the Egyptian. He understood the skill of the Egyptian. He spoke as an Egyptian. He walked as an Egyptian. He was mighty in words and deed in the way of the Egyptian. You phoned Moses, you could not tell he was Egyptian. But in maturity now, the calling haunts him. They come back to Moses and tell him, you know what Moses? You are a Jew. 
Right? Moses would have said, yeah, 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 I'm a Jew, but you know what? They sold me earlier. Let me just do my own things. You do your own business. I do my own. Mind your own. I do. No. But there is something that makes him a Jew that also prompts him to start seeking God for the reason why he's a Jew. Something starts to stir in him. And the next thing we see, Moses gets attached to the Jewish people. It took a place of maturity. For him to say, I refuse to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. The Bible says, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for the moment. For he esteemed the reproach of Christ's greater riches better than the treasures that were in Egypt. For the Bible says he had respect unto the recompense. He had respect unto the recompense. He respected the recompense. When a man gets into that zone of the respect of recompense, there are certain things you refuse to be called. There are certain people you refuse to associate with. There are certain people you choose to associate with. That's why I tell people, you look, many of you, when God started to align you to the call of your life, certain people left your life. Is that true? Certain people walked out of your life. And some of you, you still want those friendships. Bambi Moses, we were friends, you remember? You, you understand what I'm saying? But when you're called of God, you will lose certain friends. As these things even break the best relationships that you've ever seen, they break because of calling. These things even break marriages. And a man tells his wife, if you're going that way, I'm not with you. Park. And she has to make a choice whether follow God or stay. Much together. It's a tight thing. He says, I came to separate son and mother, father and daughter. As in, it's real. It happens. When the calling of God comes, there are certain things you can allow to be called. But as you mature, there are certain things you refuse to be called. That's respect unto the recompense. Because I respect the recompense. There are certain people I don't relate with anymore. They are acquaintances. I contribute on their weddings. I reach out when they, when they lose friends. I can buy them a meal, but that's as far as I go. I cannot relate with them on this level. Why? Because I have respect unto the recompense. Some of you ought to know who you are and where you are called. And where you are called. There's a certain Christian friend of mine, years ago, I saw them with a very funny WhatsApp picture. It wasn't perverse, eh? but they were in a, a certain picture with an individual. I called this person. I said, do you know where you are at this level? Do you know that where you've reached now, your WhatsApp, your Facebook profile is an altar? Do you know it is no longer just a status? It's an altar. You just get a stupid picture and put it on WhatsApp because then you don't know. You don't know. You don't know who called you and why you were called. You don't understand it yet. This is bigger than us. Listen, whatever you have now as a tool, it's an altar. And in any way, it should be preaching the gospel. Ah, uh, sometimes you're so hard. I understand what you mean. Respect the recompense. You're a king now. Here, queen now. 
put things that befit royalty. Define things that are modest. But you find a believer with a WhatsApp status, you understand? At the movies. At the movies. You have a status at the movies. At the movies. No. You put at Fanero. At service. In outreach. Are you following what I'm saying? Project 10. Write those things down. Stretch forth. Understanding faith. Let somebody read your status and feel God minister. To them. Let your WhatsApp picture minister to a believer. Whichever you put, I don't care what you put, but let it minister. But somebody, he put a picture, they were in the process of dancing like that, and I'm like, and they were not even in church. I looked at the individual. <laughs> Praise God. But are you following what I'm saying? So, anyway, fast forward. Moses transitions through the life, he respects the recompense. He refuses to be called the son of the daughter of Pharaoh. He esteemed the reproach of Christ's greater riches than the treasures that were in Egypt. Some people think it was easy for Moses to leave royalty and flee. It was not easy. There was everything some of you are believing God for. If you were in that place, you'd say, Anzanatuka, yes, we are You understand? But Moses detaches himself from that. And then he makes a mistake in the process and kills a man. He does the thing the wrong way. The zeal was right, but the knowledge was absent. And what happens? He kills the voice of God of his life for 40 years. God never spoke to him. 40 years. Some of you, you should understand what 40 years is. 40 years, God never spoke to him. Until God appears to him in a burning bush and tells him the right way to do it. And then he has to come back to Egypt. Right? And then we see by God that this boy that was born by the Jews, right? God allows the parents to put him on a basket to land in the hand of the Egyptian, the Egyptian royal, because they were in Egypt, but the Egyptian royal, right? And goes to royalty into the house. He gets to know Pharaoh, understands the language, understands the wisdom, gets skilled in their way. Are you hearing me? Then eventually he's separated from them for the encounter, to encounter God in a burning bush. And God calls him out of that comfort and then separates him to reveal himself to him. And you realize he pulls him out of Egypt first to reveal himself to him. And that same guy goes and God gives him the responsibility of redeeming a whole nation. In fact, Moses is literal for two definitions. As of one to say that he's drawn out of water, but also in the deeper phonetic as one which draweth out of the water. That is why the scriptures later tell us that he comes with the children of Israel at the borders. The Egyptians are chasing them. He separates the waters and then they go through. And the Bible says by faith they pass through the waters as of dry ground. Fulfilling that he is the one that draweth out of water. He drew men through the Red 
See, do you understand what I'm trying to tell you? But then you see him coming back and then you realize from the time his mother produced him and the time he was separated from his family and the mother has to go into the palace as a maiden servant and then later on he grows in the way the wisdom and the culture of the Egyptian and then he separated there for 40 years. All of it was for this one purpose that one day he would come back and redeem the children of Israel. God knew that he needed an Egyptian mind, an Egyptian language, an Egyptian character, an Egyptian culture. Get it on a man, anoint him. That's the only way the nation would be saved. The calling of God. We go to present day New Testament dispensation. Similar thing. The apostle Paul's father was a Jew. Jerusalem. But then later, this man goes with his family into a diaspora. And they are born in Cilicia, Tarsus. He's raised as a Greek boy. He speaks Greek like nobody else. He's approved as a Roman citizen. He's a Roman citizen. At one time, they attack him and he says, am I not a Roman citizen? Yet he's of Jewish blood. And God later on again separates him from there, takes him to Jerusalem, prepares him like he separates Moses. And then he brings him back again. Are you hearing me? He has an encounter. As he has an encounter, God throws him in Arabia. He comes back with the revelation of Jesus Christ. The next thing we know, the same God gets the same Paul, takes him to uh, Jerusalem. He tells Peter what happened, tells uh, James what happened. Next thing we know, he starts his missionary journeys to the heathen, to the unbeliever. In Galatians 1.15, he says that, but when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me by his grace, the Bible says, to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the heathen. That means God knew that Paul would preach to the unbeliever, the heathen. Christ, he would take the gospel to the Gentile. What does he do? Even though he's a Jew, he takes him to the Gentile. He goes in Tarsus, Cilicia. He understands the wisdom of the Gentile, the culture of the Gentile, the language of the Gentile, everything that pertains to the Gentile. He separates him, takes him in Jerusalem. He gets the law, understands the law. Then from there, he has an encounter on the way to Damascus, separates himself further. He goes into what? Arabia comes back with the understanding, submits it to Peter and James. Immediately, the guy goes and then serves the Gentile. So you start to see that God raises him where he later would serve his purpose. You see the example of Moses and the great minister. You see the example of Paul and the great minister. And you still think it's a mistake that you are born in Kabale. It's a mistake that you are born in Mbarara. It's a mistake that you are raised in Kawempe. It's a mistake that you are raised in Uganda. It's a mistake that you speak your mother tongue. It's a mistake that you dwell among your own people. You're disappointed. You're frustrated of being a Ugandan. Some of you want to change citizenship. Some of you even want to leave the country and go to Dubai. It's only if God leads you There are people whom God has led in further countries for purpose. For purpose. But there are also people who go there because of poverty. This man, shall we die here? Let us go and put ourselves in the hands of the Assyrians. Either we live or we die, but one of those two. You understand what I'm saying? Don't just move. Move with a purpose. I was telling people, I looked through why I was born in Zambia, raised there, Right? Why my father was Roman Catholic then? 
why we shifted to Kawempe, why I went in Kawempe and played football and on a football place a man preached the gospel to me and then I became born again and then I went to Nakasero Primary from there I see God taking me to a Muslim in Gombe says, you understand then I see him keeping me there but I started to see the will of God taking me to his high, then Tindavu, I see I see myself getting to the place of university and I see God take me to you see you and when I get there in the first year we do a fellowship and then there was Besani a prayer mountain and then we go up there on the prayer mountain some guys talking about God the Holy Ghost comes and are you hearing me and then takes over me first day I am dead I'm crying I'm weeping second day I'm shaking the whole day third day I'm prophesying and healing the sick the ministry of apostle grace begins from there graduate then I come back in Kampala go work in the bank I studied I took diligence and I studied every step the Lord had on my life and I realized there was never a mistake. All things work together for good. For them that love the Lord and they are called according to his purpose. Why are you a Ugandan? Why do you speak Ruchiga? Why do you speak Itasun? Why do you talk the way you talk? Why do you walk the way you walk? Why is your color like this? Why are you changing it? Do you understand what I'm saying? No. Walk the way he has a reason. Are you hearing me? He has a reason. He has a reason why he made you a Ugandan. He has a reason why he gave you that language. He has a reason why you did tourism. There was a bigger purpose. Are you hearing what I'm trying to tell you? Why you went to that demo tree? Why you went in that particular school? If you take diligence to study your story, you will see God knitting you together to where you're supposed to go. God has not made mistakes on you and he will not make he will not make. Somebody shout hallelujah. He has a report and plan for your life. As a believer, you have to go back. You have to go back and study and ask yourself the ultimate question. Many of you will get direction for your next place of ministry. Oh, I wish you knew how many offers we had in the United States when men heard that there were boys who could speak like this. Oh, so we can give you a house, we can give you a car, we'll give you insurance, educate your children, pay you this much money per year, a lot of it. If you're carnal, you could lose the burden for your nation. But I go back to why he called me to make a grace. Matofu. Are you hearing me? And I asked myself, why did he call me this part? We sat on bajajes. Are you hearing me? Sat in the dust, gerenge, focused man. We drank the soil. We ate it. We, we, you understand? You dress up, you dress and put on a white shirt. Ten minutes, it's that and you say, but he had a purpose. Why he raised you in this nation? He had a plan. Why he gave you that language? He had a plan. Why he took you to that school? Why he got you from there and then took you, some of you, you studied outside the country. There was a purpose. Why at that particular point he intended that it will take you to the United Kingdom or the U.S. to study there. And Sammy told them, stay there for a purpose. But you see, many people don't see beyond that. They don't see the hand and intention of God in why he did whatever he did. Many of them look at the smaller little things and complain. Until you study the line of your life, many of you make mistakes unnecessarily. Why are you in Fanero? Why did you come to this man why did he lead you here? Someone says, oh, God has told me to submit to you. Two weeks later, you hear him the other part. Then you're like, but... So God has changed his mind in two weeks? No. Either you didn't hear God in the first place you were playing with the ministry, or you've not heard God in the second. 
Some people pray when they want. Some people pray. Some people serve when they want. Some people serve when they don't want. When they feel it, they come. When they don't. No, no, no. Listen, the calling of God on your life is serious. Why did you revise to pass exams? How come you don't read the word? If you burnt midnight candles and put your legs in cold water to understand science, how much more the revelation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, which words are life to them that find them and medicine to their bones. Balokori, read the word like you've never read it before. Pray like you have never prayed before. Invest your life to understand the bigger picture. How could I do preps and read every evening and I can't read this word? The thing that spells the destiny of my life. Tell your neighbor, you are where you are. Tell them. And there is a purpose of where you are. Yes, study it. Many of you, you will understand. I remember the first time I went in the bank. I told God I knew. I said, I'm not in KCB to make money. No amount of money can pay for the dream I have in God. But when I reached in KCB, he told me your purpose here is to do ABC. He instructed me all the instructions that I had to do. And when I was done, I remember I turned to the lady who was sitting next to me. I told her my work here spiritually is done. On November, the month of November, I'm leaving KCB for another one bank for one year, which I'll leave in the month of November and then transition into full-time ministry. Indeed, true reform. Two months later, DTB contacted me. They gave me a job. I worked in DTB for one year. November, he told me, immediately at the end of November, he told me, ask for your leave and immediately quit. It was clear. And the instructions he sent me in that bank to do, I did. In KCB, I did. We won souls. We led many to Christ. There was purpose why I went there. In the bank, I met people. I met things. I understood how to manage and administer. The same mind has come in when I'm running Fanero. Partly some of the things I learned there in the administrative line, they have helped me. In the business line, they have helped me. The connections I built there, now I see that the reason why I can communicate to certain people a certain way. There was purpose. All things work together for good for them that love the Lord and they are called according to his purpose. Study your life and ask yourself, why am I here now? You've probably asked for a visa 20 times and they've denied you and you still think it's the devil. No! The devil can't deny you a visa. If the devil wants you to die in, in America, he'll give you a visa without even applying. Are you following what I'm trying to tell you? Ask yourself, why am I doing this job now? It's earning me 300,000. It's useless. But why now? When you understand it, many of you will realize everything you will do from then on will start aligning you to where God wants you to be. Because you see purpose in everything. Why am I getting into this? Why am I marrying this person? Why am I having this kind of business? Why am I dealing with this individual? Why? There has to be purpose. If it's not there, don't even waste your time. If there is no revelation in what you're doing, where are you going? Do diligence. Study. Take time and study your life. When you go back home this week, just take time and say, God, why did you take me to this school? Why did you make me meet this individual? Why did you make me meet this person? Why have I stayed here? Why am I here? Some of you, there is nothing to do with the devil. You're just floating to your destiny. But you think that you've been separated from your mother. No. You're just simply floating into the right arms 
where God will pick you, give you the wisdom you want, understanding you want, the culture you want, and the might and word that you need for your next calling. Banang, there is no mistake in God. It's not there. Somebody shout hallelujah. And so I want to pray with you. And this is my prayer for you. That for those of you who have taken these things lightly, you will take them more serious than you are. Why are you serving in service? Why are you an usher? Why are you sweeping? Why are you in welfare? Why? Do you think you're just there because you have nothing to do? No. There's a bigger purpose for God. Bigger, bigger. And the more you realize it, the more you stop being unstable. You know, you look at Christians who are, you know the Bible says when I was a child, I, was, I thought as a child, I was understood as a child and, and spake as a child. But when you grow up, you throw away childish things. Some believers have failed to grow up. They're still in childish little talks, battles, indifferences. And then you look at them and you're like, but do you actually know why you're alive now? Do you know why you're working with the person that you're working with? Do you think God is foolish to let you go there? without his grace to sustain you. No, there's a bigger purpose and plan for your life. There are people here. God is preparing you for a work You know, when God told me as a goal, before I started Fanero, when he told me what he had called me to do, the human being in me asked, and I said, God, how? 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 But I studied my life, and I saw every part of the puzzle of him drawing this picture. And now I see where I'm at, and I can truly say, that God was in every detail, even in the things I did not understand. All things were working for good. In those who annoyed me, in those who hurt me, in those who disappointed me, in those who didn't understand me, in those who understood me, in those who served me, in those who didn't serve me, in those who stayed, in those who left, I saw the hand of God perfect. Because I'm called according to his purpose. That's how I know that I will not die until I finish. That's how I know that my ministry will not fail because he has begun this work in me and he'll see to accomplishment to the day of Christ. There are people here, the call on your life is so big. And as an apostle, I speak in your life right now in the mighty name of Jesus. That may God give you that revelation. May God give you that experience. May he give you that understanding. May he take you to that place. May he deal with you. May he kill you. May he bend you. May he break you. Somebody open your mouth and start to speak in other tongues. Come on, speak in other tongues. Speak in other tongues. You take me. Receive it. You mold me. 
I hear voices in this room that were called on two nations. You take me, you guide me, you lead me, you walk beside me. Come on, somebody. Talk to God. Tell him, God, I see that I'm available for you and that I will serve you. I'm here because of purpose. I know what you've called me to be. And I Give me direction, my God. Give me direction, my God. You take me, you use me, you feel me, cause I give my you're not here by mistake you're not in this nation by mistake you're not in your home by mistake you're not at that job by mistake certain doors have closed to you by purpose and some have opened for you by purpose will you choose to believe God that he has you he has your best intentions at heart he knows the plans that he has for you Plans for peace. Plans to give you peace. To prosper you. And not to harm you. Everything is working for your good. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Jesus. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you Lord. Thank you, Lord. My prayer to God for you is that may He help us. May He help you. May He give you direction. May He give you course. May He keep you where He has ordained you and may He make clear why you where you are, why you are born where you are, why you speak the language, why you know the people that you know, why you go the places that you go, why you are traveling the places you're traveling. May his purpose be revealed clearly because as those things come clear, your election and clear is a surety. You start to see the hand of God and purpose in everything, even in the most painful. He was there. And his will ensues for your good in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, if you have never given your life to Jesus Christ, say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died and rose again for me. With my heart, I believe. With my mouth, I confess that you are Lord.
Tonight, I'm born again. I'm a new creation. The old is past, and now the new. Amen. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 041-466-4291 or email us at fenerocompala at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5 p.m. to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash Fenero. Fenero. Make manifest.